0: This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed. We've got another hour of mystery for you this week, beginning with This is Your FBI. We'll hear The Fugitive Pirate, their story from March 14th, 1947. After that, it's Dragnet and The Big Chick, their story from June 29th, 1954.
1: The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This is Your FBI. the next 30 seconds, I want to talk to listeners between the ages of 35 and 45, to men and women who occasionally find themselves thinking, will I be alive in 1975? Well, the answer is that a good many million of you will be alive in 75. In that year, this country will have 20 million people over 65, and that's twice as many as we have today. So, as you plan your future... Remember that there is a mighty good chance that you will be alive in 75. And in exactly 15 minutes, we'll have a suggestion which will show you how life insurance with the Equitable Society can help you make the most of this long life that's ahead of you. Tonight's FBI file, The Fugitive Pirate. This is the year when man may finally use the secret of atomic power for peaceful purposes. When man's conquest of machines will surpass his every previous achievement in the field of invention. But while some men are delving into the scientific unknown, there are others who are still plying their same old selfish trade, benefiting no one but themselves. True, they have borrowed some of the equipment of America's technical progress for their activities, but basically they have not changed. Their motives are as primitive as the jungle. These people are criminals. The night's file opens in a cottage located in a sparsely settled section of the Florida coast. It is night. In the living room of this modest dwelling, we find John Douglas and his wife, Lucy.
2: John? Yes, dear? Sounds like the storm's letting up.
3: Yep. should blow over before morning.
2: What are you doing?
3: I'm working on some figures, and I'm not very happy about them either.
2: What's wrong?
3: Well, Lucy, what was the weather and all? I was only able to work ten days last month. According to my arithmetic, we only cleared enough to make the final payment on our boat.
2: John, that's wonderful.
3: I don't think so at all.
2: Why not?
3: Well, you've been skimping and saving for a year so I could buy that boat.
2: You needed it to make a living. Uh,
3: I know, but I hope by now to be able to do something for you.
2: Oh, John.
3: i want to buy some clothes and things for the house.
2: You will, John. I know you will. I can wave. Sure,
3: meantime.
2: Oh, who's that?
3: I'll see. Pretty late for company. Uh, well, that, let me in, will you? Uh, sure, here, here. Better give you a hand. Thanks. Just lean on me. Uh yeah. Take it easy. Yeah.
2: Oh what's wrong with him, John?
3: I don't know.
2: See. Who is he?
3: Never seen him before. Eh uh, sit here, mister. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
2: He's wearing a life
3: preserver. Yeah. What happened to you, mister? Uh, a boat's a couple miles out.
4: Hit a reef. It's been, it's been tough getting in.
3: Oh. Well, uh, Lucy, go fix him something hot to drink. Oh, sure. Get these wet clothes off him right away.
1: That same evening, at an FBI field office some 20 miles away, Special Agent Jim Taylor is seated at a typewriter just finishing a report.
5: Jim, have you seen Mr. Barton?
1: Oh, yes, Mark. He's down at police headquarters. I
5: found a message at home for me to report here at once. This is my night off. It was.
6: You've been assigned to work with me.
5: Something big? Yes.
6: Jewel robbed at one of the large estates on Bayfront Drive. Have you been out there? Just came back. What's our angle? And two men who did the job posed as FBI agents.
5: Wow. Oh. What are the details?
6: Well, a family named Claremont was giving a big party tonight.
5: Yeah?
6: Two men dressed in dinner clothes presented fake credentials. They asked to see Mrs. Claremont alone. I see. She took them into the library. One of the men threatened her with a gun, forced her to hand over her jewels. She was then bound and gagged. The men ran out. How much were the jewels worth? Over
5: $50,000. When was the robbery discovered? About
6: five minutes after the men left. But by that time, the thieves had made a clean getaway. They stole a car belonging to one of the guests.
5: Any further word on them?
6: Yes, the car was just found abandoned at a dock about three miles from the house. Who turned that up? Local police. They also found a witness who saw two men get out of the car and into a boat alongside
5: of the dock. Stole a boat too, huh?
6: No. No, the witnesses said they seemed to know their way
5: around it. Evidently, it belonged to them.
6: They drove off in it? Yes. Witness caught the name of the boat, however. It was the Seamade Second.
5: I imagine you've already alerted the coastal authorities to be on the lookout. That's right. Have you got a description of the two men? Yes,
6: I've already put it out on the teletype. Well, what do we do now? Just hope that we get a quick report on that boat. Good
4: morning.
2: Oh, good morning. When did you get up?
4: A couple minutes ago. Seen these clothes by the bed, so I put them on.
2: That's what they were there for. How do you feel? Okay. Well enough for breakfast? Sure. How about some eggs? I just got them right fresh from the hens. Swell. Sit down. I'll have something for you in a minute.
4: Can I watch?
2: Oh. If you like.
4: Where's the fellow that was here last night? My husband? Is that what he is? Yes. Kind of old for you, ain't
2: he? He went to the store. He'll be right back.
4: <laughs> I see. What do you folks do here?
2: My husband has a boat. He dives for sponges.
4: You mean he dives with one of them helmets and suits? Yes. Well, that's good to know.
2: that you, John? Yes, Lucy? Okay. I'm, I'm out here in the kitchen. Oh.
4: Uh, how about
3: that stranger?
4: Is he up?
3: Oh. Morning. Good morning. How are you feeling?
4: Okay, now.
3: Uh, Lucy cooking up some breakfast, isn't Yeah, you? yeah. Well, that should put you right back on top. Sure. I uh, guess you'll excuse me now. i got to get down to my boat.
4: Wait, I'll walk away, you. Have got time, man? Go ahead. Just holler for him, Lucy. All right. Go ahead. All right. Mister? Douglas is the name. John Douglas. Oh. Uh, Mr. Douglas, your wife tells me you're a diver. That's right. Got all your equipment there in the boat? Yes. Then I got a proposition for you. Just listen.
3: me. <laughs>
5: Mark. Oh, hello, Jim. What did you do? Stay
6: here all night? No, I just came in about twenty minutes ago. Anything break? Yes, I was just on the phone with a sheriff up at San Marino. And the body of a man was found washed up on the beach there early this morning. From his description, he sounds like one of the missing jewel thieves.
5: Then something must have happened to the boat. Well,
6: according to the sheriff, that's been pretty well established. How? Oh. Well, there'd been quite a bit of debris washed up on the beach from last night's storm. It included a life preserver and a number of cushions on which was stenciled the name Sea Made Second.
5: How did this man die? Drowning? Mm-hmm, that's right. What about his companion?
6: Sheriff found no trace of him.
5: How about the boat? Any idea of where it sank?
6: No, not so far. But the sheriff down there will get in touch with us if anything else breaks.
4: How we doing, Mr. Douglas?
3: Well, we should be getting near that reef. That is, if you remember the position
4: right. Look, I told you there was a boy no more than a hundred feet from where the boat sank. I heard the bell ring. Well,
3: you'll soon be there,
4: then. Okay. I think uh, I'll go below, see if your wife will rustle me a little food. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Hello? I'm kind of hungry.
2: There's some sandwiches. Help yourself.
4: Okay. We'll be getting there soon. Ain't you excited? Why? Why? There's over $50,000 worth of jewels in that boat. The deal I made with your husband, half of that goes to him and you. I know. And you still ain't excited? No. Why not?
2: something wrong with this whole thing.
4: I already told you I was working on a boat. There were jewels in that boat. The owner ran it on a reef and it sank. According to the laws of the sea, if we salvage the jewels, they belong to us.
2: What happened to the owner?
4: When we went down, I lost track.
2: I still wish we'd never agreed to come. Okay, okay.
4: Got anything to drink?
2: There's some water in that jug.
4: Oh. You know something? You know what's the matter with you? You just don't like nothing. (laughs) Guess that's what comes from hooking up with an old guy. You get mixed up. Scared.
2: That's not true.
4: What you need, sweetheart, is a young guy.
7: Now, look. Come up
3: on deck. We're near the board. (laughs) Okay.
4: See you later, honey.
6: Special Agent Taylor speaking.
7: Mr. Taylor, this is Sheriff Brewster down at San Marino.
6: Hello, Sheriff.
7: Something's turned up down here I thought you should know about. Oh, what's that? I got a report that a man swam ashore last night and went to the house of a resident down here named John Douglas.
6: Well... Yes. Have you contacted Douglas?
7: No, I just got the report. He Told the story to a neighbor of his. Hmm. He doesn't have a telephone, so I'm going to get out there.
6: Sheriff, I think I'd better come down to San Marino. I'll get a car and leave here within ten minutes.
4: What's the story on your
2: husband? Huh? He talked to you? Yes, just a few seconds ago. What did he say? He, he's down about forty feet, walking along the reef. Oh, did he find anything?
4: Shh.
2: Yes, John.
7: I've located the boat.
2: Good. Did he find the boat?
4: Yes, fine. I'm on deck, going down into the cabin
2: now. Right. What's he saying? Tell me, will he? He's going down into the cabin. You
4: He shouldn't have no trouble from now on. The jewels are in a bag, right under one of the bunks. I hope he remembers, will. He will. Want a cigarette? No, thanks. (laughs) You don't like me much, do you? No. What? I don't trust you. No, that ain't the real reason. You're just scared to like me.
2: Lucy. Yes, John? Found the jewels. I'm coming up. Very well. What you saying? He found the jewels. He's coming up. Swell. Start the winch. Okay.
4: Well it's taking long to come up. No. And they don't give us much time,
2: does it? For what?
4: For getting us straightened out.
2: Look, I think we should settle something once and for all. Huh? You seem to have worked out an idea that because my husband is an older man and you're young, that makes you more attractive to me. Well, you're wrong. All wrong. I love my husband very much. <laughs> No kid. Give him a hand. Help him over the side. Do you hear me? Yeah, okay.
4: Yeah, I'll take that bag.
2: Let me help you with that helmet, John. Let's
4: see if it's all here. Yeah, Yeah, real
2: pretty. There you are, John. Ah,
4: thanks. Nice work, mister. Oh, it wasn't hard.
2: You better head right in. It's getting dark.
4: Wait a minute. Huh? Sorry, but, uh, we ain't going back to your place. We ain't? What do you mean? You just get on that wheel and go where I tell you. Now, just a minute. You heard me?
2: Oh, John, he has a gun. Your gun.
4: That's right. I found it in your cabin. Now, kindly do like I say. <laughs>
1: Return in just a moment to tonight's file, which shows how your FBI helps provide security for your country. Now, let's talk briefly about security for those who want to be independent as they grow older. Wonderful idea, Mr. Cross, but what am I going to use for money? Taxes and living costs the way they are? How are we going to save for independence 20 years from now? Well, right now in the Equitable Society, we have thousands of members who earn considerably less than you... But they're looking forward to complete independence in their 60s through an Equitable Life Assurance Society Independent Sixties Plan. I'm open-minded. How does this Independent Sixties Plan work? The Independent Sixties Plan of the Equitable Life Assurance Society has these three features. First, it costs considerably less than you probably think, especially if you're covered by Social Security. Second, you can create your retirement estate for the full amount The moment you sign the contract, you don't spend years wondering whether or not you're going to accumulate enough money to be independent in your 60s. You're sure of it, because it's guaranteed by the Equitable Life Assurance Society. Third, this equitable plan gives you a definite goal and provides you with a practical method of reaching that goal. Yes, there's nothing finer than being independent in your 60s, being your own boss, doing the things you want to do. Mr. Cross, this is beginning to sound pretty good to me. Well, then I suggest you get in touch with an Equitable Life Assurance Society representative. He'll give you the facts on the Independent Sixties Plan and let you make up your own mind. Look in your phone book for the Equitable Society. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E. Or send a postcard care of this station to the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to the FBI file, The Fugitive Pirate. The shocking lack of decency exhibited by the criminal in tonight's case in the files of your FBI should not be as shocking as it is. For it should be understood that in order to be a criminal, you must develop a new sense of morals, a different set of rules by which you live your life. No longer are you interested in doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. No longer do you care about the poverty and hunger that attack other people. For in the mind of the criminal, there are no other people worth thinking about. The criminal lives for himself. And in his depraved mind, there are no values beyond those that serve his petty personal needs. That is why you must do whatever you possibly can to end the wave of crime. For Only one set of morals can survive yours or his Our FBI file continues aboard John Douglas's boat it is night Douglas and his wife are standing by the wheel the jewel seat is seated behind them giving orders
4: Just keep heading due south I'll let you know when to turn in the shore Look okay. John
2: he has the gun got to do as he says.
4: Oh, very well. It's pretty dangerous, though, running on this dark night with no lights. If we ain't got lights, nobody sees us. That's how I want it.
2: You didn't tell us the truth before, did you? About what? That sunken boat and the jewels.
4: <laughs> no, I
2: didn't. I knew it.
4: What's the real story? Well, well I guess there's no harm in telling you. My brother and I stuck up a party the other night. Made a getaway in that boat, hit the reef, and sunk.
3: Where is your brother?
4: I don't know. When the boat went down, we both did the best we could, but I'm sure he made it. Bill's tough. He's real tough. Mm. Police must be looking for you for that robbery. Sure. But they ain't looking for you. You're the best protection I got. That's why we're sticking together till I'm in the clear.
5: Hello, Sheriff.
7: Hello. I'm Jim Taylor. Oh, hello there, Jim. I've been waiting for you. Sit down. Uh, Thanks. I've got quite a bit to report. Oh?
6: Been out to see this man, Douglas?
7: Yes, but I arrived too late. What do you mean? Well, a neighbor told me that Douglas, his wife, and the man we're looking for all put out to sea in Douglas's boat early this morning,
6: and haven't returned yet.
7: No, I think I got the motive for their going too. Oh, what's it? Well, Douglas is a professional diver, and he has full equipment. I see. Now, if the jewel thief's boat did sink, which certainly seems logical, the
6: thief enlisted the diver's aid to recover the jewels. All right. Oh, uh, did you get a description of Douglas's boat?
7: Yes, I've already sent out an alarm on it.
6: Good. Oh, is anyone out at Douglas's house waiting for the boats return?
7: Yes, I left two deputies out there. Oh, uh, by the way. Yes? I found these pants in his cabin. Huh? They obviously belong to the thief. Uh, may I see them, please? Sure, Yeah.
6: Tuxedo pants.
7: There's a label in the waistband. Oh, yes. Yeah.
6: French and Company.
7: They rent tuxedos.
6: Yes, I know. Their shop is just around the corner from our office.
7: And I've called them already. The store didn't answer, but I've got French's home phone number. And? Well, he was out to a movie. Wasn't expected home until midnight.
6: Midnight, huh? Let's see. It's 10.15 now. Mm Mm-hmm. Sheriff, this could be a valuable lead. We might find out from Mr. French who the two thieves were. I think I'll drive back to town.
4: All right. You can swing due west. Head for that light. That's
3: midway Lighthouse. That's right. Right at the mouth of South River.
4: That's where we're heading. Up South River? Mm -hmm.
3: We can't do that. Why not? The river's dangerous enough in the daytime. I'm not running up it with no
4: lights at night. You just do like you're told.
2: Look, this boat's all we have.
4: We don't want to lose it. I'll guide you up the river. This is home base for me. I know it like a book.
3: How far up you aim to go?
4: About 20 miles. 20... That far up is nothing but swamp. We stopped just before we hit the swamp. River City. That's my home.
2: Why can't you get
4: off at the mouth of the river? Because it's safer this way. I made a deal with my brother that if we got separated, we'd meet at home. I want to keep that deal. I'm not running up there without lights. Oh, yes, you are. My boat means too much to stay me. At that we. No, oh, I ain't going to stay at that You didn't have that gun. Yeah, but I do have it. Now get back to the wheel.
5: Oh, Jim. Yes, Mark. Are these all the clothes that the two men left here at the store when they rented the tuxedos? Yes. Let's start going over them, Mark. Huh? Right. You take that suit, I'll take this one. Okay.
6: What about hats? They didn't wear any. didn't wear any neckties either.
5: Hmm. These suits are pretty well worn. Mm. There's nothing in the jacket pockets. Nothing in this one either. Oh, here's the label. It was bought at Rand Brothers here in
6: town. Yes, so is this one. That doesn't give us much, though. Both suits must be, oh, four or five years old. And Rand Brothers do too big a business to remember any individual customers.
5: Any dry-cleaning marks in yours?
6: No, I don't see
5: any. Well, let's look at the trousers. Okay.
6: Oh, Mr. French gave me a pretty good description of the men.
5: Had he ever seen them before? No, but he said they looked enough alike to be brothers. Mm. Nothing in these pants' pockets. No dry cleaning marks. I'm
6: drawing on a blank here, too. Well, here's the underwear and socks. Uh, Look for laundry marks. Right. Well, Mr. French did say one thing that might be important. What's that? Both men looked and talked as if they came from back in the swamp country. I see. Ah, these things must have been home laundered. There's no laundry marks.
5: No, I haven't got any either. Let's take a look at the shoe. Okay.
6: Here you are. Thanks. This pair was bought at the shoe store in River City. So are these? Uh, Hey, wait a minute. What? That pair you have, are they mates? Yeah. Are both soles worn? Yes, why? Here, take a look at these. The sole on one of them is practically new. Say, that's strange. Yes. None of the witnesses said anything about either man being crippled or that they'd limp. I know. Mark, I've got a hunch. Let's get to a phone.
4: Head over there for the left bank.
7: It's safe to go that close to shore.
4: Look, I took you all the way up the river, okay, didn't I? Mm-hmm. See that little dock? Yes. Pull alongside.
2: This where you live? Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank heaven! Oh,
4: huh. Don't see no lights on in the house. Maybe I beat Bill back here.
3: Or alongside.
4: Uh-huh. Well, get off. Uh-uh. Not yet. Why? I got something to tend to here first.
2: We've done as you asked. We brought you home. Now get off and leave us alone.
4: Uh-uh. It ain't going to be that easy. What do you mean? You both know too much.
2: All we know is that we want to get away from here.
4: Sorry, but I got to make sure you keep quiet. What are you talking about? I got to kill you. Put down that gun. Oh.
7: There you are, Phillips. Hey. Who are you? Don't be alarmed, Mr. Douglas.
6: I'm a special agent of the FBI. Oh. Come on, Phillips. Come on, get on your oh. feet. Hey. I don't know what brought you here, mister, but I'm sure glad you come. Phillips himself was responsible for that. What do you mean? You left your clothes behind at that rental shop, Phillips. And When I examined your shoes, I saw that they'd been bought in River City. And the sole of one of them was practically new. So what? That meant that either you or your brother had trouble with one leg. So I contacted the doctors here in River City and gave them your description. One of the doctors remembered treating you for a broken ankle. He gave me your address. All right, Phillips, you're coming
1: along with me. Charles, alias Chuck Phillips, was sentenced by a federal court to serve five years for impersonating a federal agent. At the conclusion of this term, he will then serve a 25-year sentence imposed by local authorities for robbery and assault. The two Phillips brothers thought they had committed the perfect crime. And for a while, it must have seemed to chuck as if they had. But no crime is perfect. For somewhere in the devious machinations which produce crime, there is a clue left on some unsuspected point. Many times, it is not an apparent clue. But while it is true that crime as a business has not progressed in 50 years, it is equally true that in the field of scientific investigation of crime, there has been great progress. In tonight's case, for instance, the very manner in which a shoe had been worn was the undoing of a criminal who had planned very carefully. But that small clue was turned into the criminal's capture by superior knowledge of a special agent. Superior knowledge he had received as part of his training as a member of your FBI. In just a moment, we will tell you about next week's exciting case from the files of your FBI. A little while ago, I gave you a few brief facts about the independent 60s plan of the Equitable Life Assurance Society. To get full information, you'll want to ask your Equitable Society representative questions like these. Exactly how much will the plan cost me? The Equitable man has the answer. How will it dovetail with my Social Security? He's got the answer to that, too. What income will it give me in my 60s? Your Equitable Society representative will give you the exact figure. Ask him to drop around for a friendly visit. Find him in the phone book or send a postcard care of this station to the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Next week, we will bring you another colorful story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The Vicious Shakedown. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of persons living or dead is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. Your narrator was Dean Carlton. This is your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. This is Milton Cross speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community, and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the vicious shakedown on This Is Your FBI. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.
8: Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a narcotics detail. The body of a man has been found in a public park lake. Physical evidence indicates he was killed by narcotics. Your job? Check it out. It was Monday, July
0: 9th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out a narcotics detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Shy. My name's Friday. We were on our way out from the office, and it was 10.23 a.m. when we got to room 42. Homicide.
8: You got a name on him? Yeah. All right, Joe. Frank. Oh, yeah. Be right. right with you. Yeah? What's the spelling on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll check it out. Right. right. I'll call you back. Uh-huh.
0: Bye. Jack, how's it going?
8: Pretty good. With you? Well, it doesn't do much good to kick. Yeah, it never worked for me. What do you got for it? Now, wait a minute. I'll get the pictures. All right. We got it late Saturday night. just got the results of the autopsy this morning. Thought maybe you and Frank would be interested. Now, here, let me cure the table. What is it? Down here. The way we got the story goes together like this. A couple of kids on their way home from a late show walked through MacArthur Park. Must have been about 10.30. Yeah. Stopped by the side of the lake for a minute, and they saw something in the water. Went down to check it and found the body of a man. Yeah. Here's a picture of where we found him. Mm Mm-hmm. Contacted the park authorities, and they called the police. car answered, and they called us.
4: Uh-huh.
8: You know who he is? No idea on him. Made him through his prints. Uh-huh. Name's Walter Gilmer. Appears to be his true name. Got several aliases. How about his background? Been picked up for just about everything in the code. Copy of his arrest record. Interesting. thanks. Right. first arrest when he was 14. Yeah. Piling him up ever since. He added up, he spent over half his life in prison. Uh-huh. Wait, looks, he died someplace else. How do you figure that out? Oh, here. This is a picture taken of the path leading to the lake. Yeah. See here, the tracks? Mm-hmm. Looks like he was dragged down the gravel path and then dropped into the water. Mm-hmm, yeah. See there, Joe? Yeah. What killed him? Yeah, had us for a while. No evidence of violence that could have done it. In his record, there are half a dozen people in town who'd like to take care of it. Yeah. Copy of the autopsy report. mm will explain why we thought you might want a piece of it. No. Yeah. Died of narcotics poisoning. We went over the
0: dead man's effects without coming up with any additional information. From the report of the coroner's office, we knew that Gilmer had died of narcotics poisoning. We were not able to tell the type of the narcotics used, but it was listed as either heroin or morphine. During the past three months, the Southland had been flooded with an inferior grade of heroin. From chemical analysis, we knew that it was being processed in Mexico. We'd been in touch with Mexican authorities, but in spite of our joint activities, the drug continued to cross the border and it continued to be circulated. Arrests of mules and pushers had been made, suspects had been interrogated, and all other leads had been checked out, but we were still unable to come up with the key people in the operation. The death of Walter Gilmer gave us a possible lead. We couldn't be sure that he died of the low-grade drug, but it was worth looking into. Working with Sergeant Jack McCready and Danny Galindo of Homicide Detail, we pulled Gilmer's package and we went over all of the available information on him. We made out a list of his known friends and his associates. All of the places he was known to frequent were checked. For the next two days, anyone who had been seen in Gilmer's company was talked to. Apparently, we were at a dead end. Thursday, July 12th, 11.14 a.m., Frank and I got back from talking to an informant. There was a note in the book to call McCready. McCready there? Yeah. Oh, Jack, Joe Friday. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, where's he now? No, we'll be right over. Thank you. What's he got? One of Gilmer's friends. Yeah? Says he was with Gilmer when he died. Frank and I left the central police station and walked over to the city hall. By the time we'd gotten there, McCready had pulled the suspect's package and had what background information there was on the man. The three of us talked to him in the interrogation room.
8: For the record, what's your name? David Flack. How
0: old are you? 26. That's still your address? Yeah. How well did you know this Walter Gilmer?
9: We roomed together.
0: How long? A couple of years. According to your package here, you've had several arrests for being a
8: user. Is that right? He got the paper. Told us you were with Gilmer when he died. Now, look, there you go again.
9: What? I said I was with him when he was sick, that's all. We got together Saturday night, had dinner, and Walt didn't feel so good. He shoved off. Said he was going home and get some rest. It's the last time I saw him. He went home to get some rest. Go ahead.
8: With what? There ain't no more
9: to say. You guys asked me, remember?
8: We talked to the manager of your apartment house. Real goof, ain't she? She says you and Gilmer came in together Saturday night, put the time about 8.30. Says the two of you stayed there until about 9.30. Then she heard you come out of the elevator with Gilmer. She's got real big ears. That's what she says. Goes on to tell us that she went to the door of her apartment, looked out into the hall. Says she saw you carry Gilmer out of the apartment building.
9: I carried Wald out?
8: That's what she says.
9: You know how big Wald is?
8: We got an idea. Well, you know, I couldn't carry him anyplace. place. it weighs me about 50 pounds. I ain't that strong. The landlady's willing to testify to it. Yeah, she talks a lot. She's going to talk you right into the joint. We find Gilmer an hour later dead. You're the last person seen with him. Fits you real good, Black. From here, it looks like you're right for a 187 charge. You figure you can nail me down for
9: murder, huh? It's worth a try. Yeah, but can you make it go? We think so. Now, one thing's going to loss it up. Yeah? I didn't do it. I had no part in it, none. You better tell us then, huh?
8: If I give it to you, it'll make a difference? Depends on the words. Go ahead. Where do I start? The beginning will do. Yeah.
9: I guess Saturday afternoon's as good as any. Well, listen. Old Walt got himself a new connection, said it was a good one. For heroin? Yeah. Got a good buy and a couple of bindles, said it was a real good deal. You know where? No, he wouldn't tell me. He just said it was his and that when I needed some stuff, he'd set it up for me.
0: You're on H2, huh?
9: Yeah, why lie to you? A couple of days in the tank will bring it out anyway. Yeah, I'm swinging a pretty good habit. How much? Shooting three a day. All right, go ahead. Oh, well, Walt had a fix about four in the afternoon. We were going out for dinner, and Walt said he had enough age so he could take one for free. Mm-hmm. After that, we went out and got something to eat. Walt didn't eat much, said he felt way out, didn't hardly eat at all. Yeah. Went back to the apartment, sat around, talked. Tried to get him to tell me where he made the connection. He just laughed and said it was the best thing he ever fell into. Didn't he give you any idea? No, not a smell. All right. Well, oh, pretty soon he said he didn't feel so good. I thought maybe he'd need another pop. I asked him if he wanted me to cook it for him. He said no. He said he just wanted to get some air. Told me he couldn't breathe too good. Just lay there on the bed grabbing for air. Mm-hmm. I asked him if he wanted me to call a doctor, get somebody up there to fix him. He looked pretty bad.
8: Yeah.
9: He told me he didn't want anybody just to leave him alone. Mm-hmm. About an hour later, I checked with him. I wanted to see if he felt any better. He was dead. You took him out of the apartment then? Yeah, I, I got scared. I didn't know what had happened, but I could see you guys laying it on me. What'd you do? Took him out to the park Got him in the back seat of the car and took him out there. Sat in the car for about 50 minutes waiting for a couple of kids to leave. I was sitting on a bench near there talking. I had to wait for them to leave. Yeah. After they'd gone, I dragged Walt down the water and dumped him in the lake. What about his identification? Took it out of his pocket. Figured he'd give me a couple of days to try and grow an alibi. Figured it'd take that long for you to find out who he was. You just left him in the lake then, huh? Yeah. Drove back to the house and tried to figure what to do. Think of somebody who'd grow me an alibi. You haven't got any idea where Gilmer made the connection, huh? No. You know where he went Saturday afternoon? No, he left the place about 10 in the morning. I didn't see him until about 3 or maybe 3.30. He was holding pretty good then, real happy, laughing it up all over the place. Oh, Walt, he had a real good laugh when he was feeling good. See, I still can't get it straight that he's dead. Do you don't have any close friends that you know of? A couple, not more than that. You want to give us their name? I guess, as long as they don't find out. Did he meet any new people he told you about? Well, if he did, he didn't say nothing. I'm sorry, I'd sure like to help you. A lousy trick making Walt think he was getting such a good deal and having it turn out like this. It's a lousy deal. Mm-hmm. He was real happy because he thought he scored real big, got it real cheap. Told me he hardly paid anything for it.
0: Well, he had it wrong, didn't he? Huh? He was overcharged. We continued to talk to David Flack. From him, we got additional names of people Walter Gilmer had dealings with. We also got the addresses of bars and restaurants the dead man was known to have frequented. In our interrogation of Flack, he was unable to give us any lead as to where Gilmer might have bought the lethal narcotics. Thursday afternoon at 4.21 p.m., Flack was taken to the main jail to be booked in on suspicion of violation of the State Narcotic Act of felony. Frank and I went back to the office and talked with Captain Shy. We told him what had happened, and we reviewed the progress we'd made in attempting to apprehend the leaders of the narcotic ring. After talking over all the possibilities, it was decided that the only way we had of getting to the higher-ups in the operation was for one of us to go underground. It decided that I would act the part of a buyer from Northern California and try to make the contact with the members of the ring. I was given a quantity of marked bills and fictitious identification before I left the office. Frank and I worked out a method for communication, and I went home to change my clothes. I left all of my police identification there, and the next morning I began to be seen in the bars and restaurants where Walter Gilmer was known. For the first week, it went slow. The people involved were cautious of all newcomers. On Saturday, July 21st, I had breakfast, and then I walked over to a small place on East 7th Street.
8: Not open for business yet, Joe. No problem.
10: I had
0: some time to kill. Thought I'd do it here if you got no beef.
10: No, sit down. I'm just getting the booze up from downstairs. And you want something, a Coke, maybe? Yeah. You got one that's cold? Yeah. I could uh, put a shot in it if you want. No, it's all right. It's too early. Boss don't like it if I plug before 10.
5: Mm-hmm.
10: <clears throat> How's business? Oh, not bad. Guess it's a little slow all over. Yeah. Now, how's it going with you, Joe. Slow. How long you figure to be in town?
0: Only got a couple more days.
10: Mm hmm.
0: I gotta get back up north.
10: Never heard you say what you did. I took a job a promoter. You mean like price fights? No, anything I can make a buck on. Well, what are you working on now? Well, I got a deal. Yeah, I guess you'd rather I didn't get too nosy, huh?
0: Yeah, I might be better that way.
10: Mm-hmm. Words that you're trying to make a buy. What's that? I say, words that you're trying to make a buy. That's that so? Yeah, that's what the word is. Where's it from? Around. No place you can point to, just around.
0: Anything of what I'm looking for?
10: I understand it's H. Is that what you think? I don't know, Just it's only what the word is. Uh-huh. I understand you're a good friend of Walt Humor.
0: Yeah, I knew him. We didn't live together. I knew him.
10: Mm, rough thing about Walt. Yeah, yes, it is. Did you ever find out what killed
0: him? I don't know. I don't read the papers much. Was it in the papers?
10: Yeah. Uh, Rumble is, he got some bad stuff. That's right? Yeah, that's what
0: they're saying. Well, there might be. I told you. I don't
10: know. Well, I guess if you're a friend of his, you'd um, like to talk to his connection, huh? Well,
0: it doesn't make any difference to me, one way or the other. Mm hmm. You ain't
4: sore
10: about Walker, huh?
0: I told you. I knew him. I didn't know him
8: good. Just enough to say hello. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rough the way he went. I'll call it your way. Well,
0: I'll see you around, Al. Hey,
10: you got to leave, huh?
0: Told you, I only got a couple more days in town. I got to line something up
10: before I go back. Well, uh, uh, maybe I can give you a hand. Yeah. Depends on what you're after. I got a lot of friends around. Might be able to do you some good. Well, how are you going to work that? How much you want to buy? Let's see. Come off it, Joe. We got the rumble on you. You're down here from Sacramento. You're here to make a buy. Simple question: How much you want to take back with you? If I wanted to
0: make a connection, uh, you the guy I'm supposed to see. If I wanted to
10: make a connection,
0: it might work out that way. You holding now? A little. How big?
10: Enough to handle
0: your action. I want a couple ounces. That's a lot of stuff. I don't sell cut rate. Now
10: you holding that much or aren't you? No, no I can line it up for you. Where do you take your piece? Off the top. I make the deal for you. Oh no, no go. Huh? I don't know how you work things
0: here, but I only do business with a gun. Yeah, well, this one don't work that way. Well, let's forget the whole thing. Get. Hey,
10: wait a minute. Hold, hold, hold it, Joe.
0: Yeah. You got the cash? I can get it. All it that'll work. I'll have to see. I deal with the gun or the buy's off? I'll check it. Is it good stuff? Bet we got the offer. That's not much of an answer, is it? It's good. When it's will good. you know? When will you know?
10: We'll wait here. I'll make a phone call. All right. out. Yeah, I know, I know, but this is important. Got a guy here who wants to buy a couple of shirts. All oh, large size? Uh-huh. As far as we know, he is. I, I talked to you about him. Yeah, that's the one.
5: Yeah.
3: Now,
10: he says he won't buy them from anybody else. Yeah. That's what I told him. He, he says he's got it. Uh, just a minute, I'll check. Uh, will be here about seven tonight. Huh? You'll be here tonight about seven?
0: Well, we can make the deal, sure.
10: Yeah, yeah, he can make it. All right, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I told you we checked, he's all right. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Goodbye. Deal's made. All right. Be here at seven. Make it sharp, huh? Okay. You meet the boss. <laughs>
0: I got in touch with Frank and I filled him in on what had happened. For the first time in several months it appeared as if we had a concrete lead to the operators of the dope ring. It was arranged to keep the bar under surveillance, but not to take anybody into custody until a buy had been made. I went back to the room I was renting and I waited. I left at five thirty, had something to eat, and at five minutes of seven I walked into the bar. The place was crowded. There wasn't an empty stool, and most of the booths were taken. I edged up to the bar and caught the bartender's attention.
8: Are you, Joe? You're early.
0: No, you said seven sharp. Yeah. We're going to do business?
10: Uh, Where'll I get out from behind the bar? Yeah. Back here, Joe. Ah, here it is. You're joking, aren't you? No, Joe. This is the boss.
0: Well, I had it figured a little different.
2: Yeah, everybody does.
0: Sitting in the booth was in her late 30s or early 40s. It was hard to tell. She had dark hair and blue eyes. The suit she was wearing was gray and it looked expensive. After the bartender introduced us, she told him to bring a drink and then she motioned me to sit down.
2: Your name's Joe Z. is that right? Yeah. Al tells me what's some action.
0: Nellie gave you the story.
2: How do I know you're a legitimate dealer?
0: You don't. Still, you want me to
2: go out on a limb and turn over two ounces of heroin to you?
0: I'm willing to pay for it, lady.
2: Where's it going to go? Up north. lot of ground. Sacramento. You got the route to get rid of it? They're
0: waiting for it now.
2: Well, and then, I should tell you, I haven't got two ounces.
0: Well, and I'm wasting my time.
2: But I can get it. How soon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How quick do you need it?
0: I want to leave town in a couple of days, I told Al.
2: You working alone?
0: I don't see how that figures in the price.
2: You're wrong. What? H we've got goes for four fifty an ounce. It's pretty high. The best we can get. Should be. You want to make a deal? The price comes down.
0: No, I can't swing more than two ounces.
2: Even if the price has dropped. How much? To three fifty.
0: No, it doesn't fit. What's the angle?
2: If you're on your own, you must get a little tiresome to have to carry the load by yourself. Maybe. I was thinking maybe you'd like a partner. You? That's what I had in mind.
0: No go. Why? Oh, a lot of reasons. Mainly because I don't need anybody.
2: Then it's going to cost you four fifty.
0: Well, I figured that going in. When do you want the stuff? Tomorrow night will do.
2: We have to be late. We got it coming in then. Where? The price doesn't include that.
0: Okay. Where do I pick the H up?
2: Elf will call you. He'll give you the time and the place.
0: Well, if it's high grade, I might want some more.
2: You can pay our price. You'll get it. It's
0: all right.
2: You're making a big mistake, Joe. Is that so? Yeah. I got L.A. sewed up good and tight. good distribution. All the product I need. You got to know it. We put them together, we could both come out real well.
0: No, I told you before, I don't need partners.
2: You might be wrong, Joe.
0: What?
2: You might already have one.
0: I stopped by the bar and gave the bartender my phone number. He said he'd call me as soon as he had any information. I left the place and walked over to Fifth Street. At a corner restaurant, I put in a call to Frank and I filled him in on what had happened. It was set up that he and Sergeant Roxy Lucarelli would keep me under surveillance all the following day. In the meantime, the woman, Dolores Page, would be watched also. I went back to the hotel where I was staying and went to bed. At 3.30 a.m., the phone rang and the bartender, Alf, told me to get dressed and meet him in front of the hotel right away. He said we were leaving town immediately to make the narcotics buy. I tried to call Frank and fill him in on what had happened, but I couldn't reach him. I got in touch with the office and left word regarding the meet and then went downstairs to wait for Alf. At 3:45 a.m, Alf drove up to the entrance. I tried to stall as long as possible to give the men from the office time to get there, but finally we left the hotel before they arrived. In the car with Alf and myself were a man who introduced himself as Earl and the woman Dolores Page. We drove down to the beach and turned south on Highway 101. We continued down to San Diego. At 6:30 a.m., we checked into a small hotel, and Alf, along with Earl, left to make the meet and the buy. I tried to find out where they were going, but they refused to give me any information. Dolores, Page, and I waited for him to come back. I was unable to contact the San Diego authorities, telling them what to watch out for. Apparently, I'd lost contact with Frank and Lucarelli. The only hope now was that someplace along the line, the Page woman and her associates would make some kind of a mistake. We waited at the hotel until 12.15 when Alf and Earl returned.
3: Where is Earl?
10: Downstairs in the car.
2: How come you're so late?
10: We got hung up on the other side of National City. Customs inspection. Went through the car.
2: Find anything?
10: No, but there's something wrong about the whole deal. What
2: do you mean?
10: Looked like they were waiting for us. Like somebody had tipped them off. We were coming through.
2: What makes you think that?
10: The way they acted. Other cars had just looked over. Ours, they went all the way through. Took the seats out, checked the tires, even climbed underneath. I tell you, somebody tipped them off. They were waiting.
0: Anything wrong with this? I want no part of it. you understand that?
10: We've been working it a long time without no hitch. All of a sudden, you come along, we got trouble. What are you trying to build? Just that it's funny it had happened now. First time you're here. You trying to say that I got something to do with the shakedown? If it fits,
0: wear it. Now you listen, you two-bit punk. I got more to lose than you have. I'm paying top price for this product. I got customers waiting now. You come breezing in here and try to lay one of your own mistakes on me, and I'll break your back. You talk like a man twelve feet tall. I don't have to be that big. All right, kind of knock
2: it off. You two beefing isn't going to do any good. They didn't find anything. Got no call to figure it was a tip Alf, No reason at all. Now let's get out of here.
10: Tell your boy to get off my back.
2: Man. Don't worry about it. There won't be any more trouble.
10: Better not be. Because I'll spell it out for you. Is that right? There is, and I'm going to cause it.
0: The three of us went downstairs and got into the car. We started to drive back to Los Angeles. From what I could find out, the narcotics buy had been made in Mexico, but the heroin was not in the car we were driving. We continued up the coast. Just south of Oceanside, California, we began to follow a large bus. As we drove, I noticed that Alf was being careful to keep the vehicle in sight. At San Clemente, the bus pulled into a small roadside restaurant for a rest stop. We parked immediately in back of it. Alf got out of the car and approached the bus. He walked up to the rear of the vehicle, reached under the rear bumper, and removed a small package wrapped in waterproof material. He checked the contents, and then he walked back to the
9: car. Get it? Yeah, right where we put the stuff.
2: Get in. Let me have it. Yeah. There it is, Joe. Got the money.
0: You want to wrap it up right here?
2: No reason not to.
0: Why don't we wait till we get back to town? Be easier there.
2: You got any special reason to wait? No. Got the money? Yep. Then why wait?
0: Well, let me see what I'm
2: buying. Here. Yeah, looks all right. Best we can buy. You don't have to taste it.
0: What are you trying to pull? What? What are you trying to sell me? This stuff's no good. You're not going to stick me four fifty dollars for this junk? You
2: made the deal. And I'm
10: leaving it. I want no part of it. It's a little late to come up with that. You haven't been paid yet. We will be. Get out of the car. Leave him alone, Alf. We've done it your way all along. It hasn't worked out from here in. I'm going to call it. You're doing it wrong, Alf. You let me worry about that. Get out, mister. Go on.
0: all right where to? Let's
10: take a walk around the back of the buildings. Go
0: ahead. Figure to kill me and come up with the money, too. Is that it? Keep walking. You know you're not going to get away with it, don't you? You keep buying those tales. Maybe we can make a deal, Al. Yeah? If you get the money, it doesn't make any difference about me, does it? What do you mean? No, wait a minute. Suppose I give you the money. You got it clean. You
10: don't have to rouse me then, do you? Maybe I'll like shoving you around. I never did figure you on our side. Why? Because you knew Walt Gilman. What happened to him doesn't make any difference to me. It don't read good, Joe. Right from the beginning, I didn't figure you... What do you mean? You set the deal up, didn't you? It looked like some fast change. I didn't count on this much McGill. It's not worth it. All let's talk about Walt. What's he got to do with it? He was working with us, pushing. Got too
0: wise. Thought he could do it without it. So you gave him a connection with Bad Age, is that it? That's it. You kill me and Dolores isn't going to like it. You know that, don't
10: you? The wheel just passed out of her hands. Come on, let's get it over with.
8: All right. Where to? Back there.
1: What are you trying to prove? <laughs>
10: Come on, Al. Drop the gun. Drop Joe.
0: Joe, you all right? Yeah. Uh, we've been right behind you since you left Dago. Yeah? How'd you work that? Well, I got the message you left at the office. We had a tail on the page, woman. Picked you up down south. How about her and that other fellow back there? Roxy's got him. Well, let me have your handcuffs, will you? Yeah, here. The bartender? Yeah. He copped out to giving Walt Gilmer the bad junk. Huh. That takes care of it then, huh? Yeah, come on, let's get him to the car. All right, (laughs) come on. Get up. Well, I'm glad this one's over. Yeah. Well, you don't look any the worse for wear. All right. Sure. You didn't really have anything to worry about. Is that right? Well, sure. You don't mind me telling you that, do you? It's a good thing you weren't two minutes later. Huh? I might not have heard you.
8: The story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. Dolores Marie Page and Alfred Giles Harnett were tried and convicted of murder in the first degree. David Alcott Flack was tried and convicted of using narcotics and Earl Tyler Rocklin was tried and convicted of possession of narcotics. They all received sentence as prescribed by law. Murder in the first degree is punishable by life imprisonment in the state penitentiary. Possession of narcotics, first offense, is punishable by imprisonment in the county jail for a period of not more than one year. Using narcotics is punishable by imprisonment in the county jail for a period of not more than one year. Dragnet. The story of your police force in action is a presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service.
0: Case Closed for this week. Find more from This Is Your FBI, Dragnet, Case Closed, and all the other Relic Radio podcasts at relicradio.com. Thousands of episodes to listen to there, all for free. Thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes it all happen. Thank you, as always, to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. Case Closed.